Hi, Andras Jones here with a couple of quick announcements. In August, we'll be wrapping up Season 2 of Radio 8 Ball, and I'll be coming out with my first record in quite a while. It's called All You Get, and I hope you'll check it out. This show, the great songwriters we've had as guests, and your attention have inspired me to want to do it again, so I am. And on July 25th, I'll be playing songs from the record at the Hotel Cafe in Hollywood, California, accompanied by the cats on this here episode you're about to hear. After my set, they'll be performing as the Sheriffs of Schrodingham. That's at 11 p.m. My show's at 10. That's 10 o'clock sharp at the Hotel Cafe in Hollywood, California on July 25th. If you can be there, we'll see ya. And if not, we'll miss ya. I'm Anara George, and you're listening to Radio 8 Ball with Andras Jones. Radio 8 Ball, give us a shake. We're in the studio, tempting fate. Wherever you are, putting questions to the songs which we will randomly select. Here with the help of our friend, Synchronicity. And now it's time for Radio 8 Ball. Give us a shake, it's the Radio 8 Ball Show. to Radio 8 Ball, the show where we answer questions by picking songs at random and interpreting those randomly chosen songs as the answers to the questions like picking musical tarot cards. I'm your host, Andras Jones, hanging out here at Starburns Industries with our musical guests, Vikram Devastali and Ross Garin. Buddy. Yo. And they are playing the Oracle Fodder for our musical divinations with their silent and talented buddy, John Schroeder. Smiling and saluting in the corner today. Believe me, he really did salute. And now, well, you know, Vikram, you, you know why I invited you here? Because I figured you might invite Alex and Lily back to back to Radio What's 8 up? Here she is. And here Welcome she is. back. How's it feel to be in the guest chair? Oh, it feels good to be on the other side. Yeah, not as much pressure. Wield more power, I feel. Yeah, this is you're the star of the show right now. <laughs> Absolutely. You, when you were the guest, we were tributing or. Uh, digging into Star Trek Discovery, we had several of the cast members. We had several sort of experts, Denara mm-hmm. George. But I think we can all agree that Vikram stole the show. In his silent, calm way, he did. He did. He sort of waited until the last <laughs> no, minute. He sort no, of sandbagged you. Puffed and puffered. He, yeah. <laughs> he was he buffered silently in the corner. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But when it came time a lot to of, talk, was a lot of buffering. We were all just. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> so, uh, and we, you weren't here probably, but I, I said I, I loved the little video that you shot in Portland with you oh, singing, yeah. uh, was it Pornographic Mind uh-huh. with Vikram on the, just on the My grandparents' porch, yeah. So that's Portland is where you're from. Uh, I was Family's born there. From. I yeah. don't, I, I, I claim California. Got it. Well. It doesn't Cal- claim me. No, it doesn't, it doesn't want me. It, it's <laughs> sending you back to, <laughs> to Oregon. So... But on that, on, so on that episode, you you played the music. But we, because we were focused so much on Star Trek Discovery, we really didn't get to dig into 
yeah. who you are, Alex. So what about this me? Is, yeah. So this is this is time. This is time. We get to we get to get into this. So forgive me, Victor. We've asked I've asked everyone, how do you know each other? We know you, you all play together. I, I saw you play a show in Seattle recently. I, I missed you at the New York show. But the guys who played in New York were pretty great too. You had some hey great, now. You had some we great, don't talk about them. Uh, they were they were awesome. It was a, it was a it was an amazing show to see you at because it was you. up on top of this building at high atop of New York City and you could see everything. It was a little bit scary. Do you get scared? Like when I go out on a a ledge, even though there's I'm protect like it's it's be really hard to fall yeah. off of it. I felt very nervous up there. Wow. Like when I was outside and uh, above New York City, it really I still like as I say it now I get a little bit. You might need your own episode for us to delve into these. Well, so did you? Did you have any? No, no. didn't even think of it. You just loved it. Just to go out and. I just was like, get the camera. Let's take some pictures. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. So, how are things going with the new record? Good. It's plateaued. What? No. (laughs) No. It's kind of plateaued yet. I mean, it was. It was. We were flying pretty high for a while. We had to come. Back down I mean, you got album of the week. Album of the week, that's true. LA Weekly. Great, I, yeah. I've been following all the stuff. You got uh, the new video that uh, Diana Foyer uh-huh, direct, directed for you. Yeah. And she's yeah. also a Radio 8 ball guest. That's right. Bloody Death Skull. Yeah. Great episode. And what do you, so, and are you, you're, the touring ha- can't be over for it. No, we're actually, Vikram and I, for my pro- for my project, uh, um, are going to go on tour with Bird and the Bee. So I'll play with, we'll probably both play with them and then play with our other friend Sam Sidley and be on the road in August. I'm going to come out Check and see out. that show. Oh my God. So this is, and this is touring the Van Halen stuff. Yes. The new Van Halen record. Yeah, that will be in there. Yeah. God, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. <laughs> what an amazing show. So, do you know what the do you, do you have the dates? August 2nd at um I think the Ford the amphithor, amphitheater, Ford Amphitheater, is that mm-hmm. what it's called? Um and then I'm not sure what the other dates are out of town. Have the tickets gone on sale yet? I don't know. Can you let me know before they Okay. Do? <laughs> I got to see that show. I got to see that show. Yeah. Wow, so exciting. Wonderful. And plateau what are you talking about? I still haven't listened to the record. No, I'm kidding. I'm, sure. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I have to. I listen to it I'm incessantly. Good. I love it. I love it. <laughs> and I'm so. I, now, what does it mean for a record to plateau? What does it? People have stopped. It's not new. It's not a new record. Because I'm actually. I asked this sort of from a, a selfish standpoint. You know, I have a, a new record that I recorded, and I'm going to be coming. I haven't come out with a record with anything in like twenty something years, uh-huh. and so it's so the whole economy of putting out a record and the whole business of putting out a record is pretty new. Is 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 new to me. Yeah. And so the record came out about January 11th. So so there's little bumps months, along the way. Four months there's ago. Little... So yeah. now, so uh, does that mean that whoever was doing radio, like that, that's done now? And now no, you trust that they know? New, we're still seeing some new plays, but it just means that it's, you know, th- we're people that, what can you say? We like to, we like the thing that, that came out. And then at a certain point, it just sort of goes into the canon of classic greats. Right. <laughs> that's where it's headed. Yes. It's certainly there it's for me. It's on its way. It's, it's there for me. It's making its way there. It's fine. I mean, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're going to go out. You're going to go out to our opening for Bird and the Bee mm-hmm. in the summer. Vikram gets to come along on that. Which mm-hmm. you're excited about that. We're making. Yes, I am. Yeah. Yeah. Are you a Bird and the Bee fan? I am. It's it's been sort of wild to connect with all these people who are like in that world. Because when I was in 
college, uh, you know, Bird and the Bee was one of the few things that all my friends who were jazz musicians would listen to that was not strictly in the world of jazz. Um, and now I know Alex and I know Anara and I've met Greg and when I tell my friends... Are you going to gloat to your friends? I don't... <laughs> you, know what, you know what I find with, the, with Bird and the Bee is if I say I'm going on tour with Bird and the Bee, people will say who's Bird and the Bee? But if I say, oh, there's this band called Bird and the Bee, it's like, and George and Greg Kirsten, they're like, we know Bird and the Bee. <laughs> like, I get it exactly <laughs> wrong in every case. <laughs> so, which, which I know what you mean. makes a lot of sense when you think about, like, if if it had been any more popular than it was, which, I mean, I feel like it could have been, but if, if it had been, then my friends who are jazz musicians probably wouldn't have felt as good about listening to it. Exactly. The fact that it was, like, a little bit unknown. I mean, it was it was huge, but, like, it wasn't, like, the biggest pop music yeah. imaginable. M- gave them cover. Kept it, yeah, kept it cool. Yeah, to, to be in the shower singing fucking boyfriend. <laughs> Which they did. It's a great... I can assure you. <laughs> <laughs> Nico Seropoulos, I'm talking about you. Uh, yes. <laughs> a little shout, a little Nico shout out. Yeah. Who's sure. Nico Seropoulos? Nico Seropoulos uh, is a piano player who lives in Portland. Well, he spends half his time in Portland and half of his time in Philadelphia. Oh, actually, that it does remind me of a question I wanted to ask. So you t- you toured that the West Coast. You did Seattle, Portland. Did you do any uh, other? Eugene. Eugene. And um, well, we also I did a little Midwest stuff too in Japan. Right. That's the West West. That's very. Or that's so West it's East. So it's so actually West, the East. It's, yeah, it really is. Well, we go West. Right. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> So, do you have any great road story, like any great or interesting or embarrassing road stories from when you were traveling together? Somehow, we weren't. Well, so many things. God, <laughs> it's just a carnival embar- of embarrassment. I was very tired. Uh, no, nothing. Nothing embarrassing. There was this kind of odd scene in an Arby's halfway between. <laughs> was there between an scene at Arby's? Seattle and Portland? Yeah. Well. I, I haven't been to Arby's and it's been it's been several years. The last time I went to Arby's before I went to Arby's with you, we decided that uh, it was like a couple of my buddies decided that we needed to do something for my friend who was getting married, but who wasn't having a bachelor party. And so what we settled on was we were going to pick him up in the middle of the night and take him to Arby's, <laughs> <laughs> which uh, he did not appreciate. <laughs> Um, did he know that he was going to Arby's, or did you? He's like, we're taking you someplace really special. Just and a French dip is in his okay. mouth. Okay. Well, yeah. In lieu of getting him drunk and, you know, shoving boobs in his face, we decided to make him eat a meat mountain, <laughs> which is an actual thing that you can order at Arby's. A meat mountain. Yeah. What happened? I told Alex this story on the way down that they, they had this ad campaign, called Arby's. We have the meats. And the visual representation of this, they had these vinyl stickers in the windows, and it was like every meat they had piled on top of each other. And so this being America, it wasn't very long before people started rolling through the drive-thru and saying, like, you know, how much is that doggy in the window? Like, I want I want that sandwich. And at first, the people who worked at Arby's were like, what are you talking about? Like, that's not a sandwich we sell. But eventually they cut on. And I think it's like $15. It's, it's pretty expensive. 
but you can go to Arby's and get a sandwich with every meat that they sell. And force your friend to eat it. That's up to you. <laughs> but and we didn't do Well, that. I hope it's up to you whether or not no. you can order it as well. I don't, I don't. So we didn't do that, but we did go to Arby's. Yeah. And there was some menu item. It was like a King's Hawaiian chicken sandwich. Oh, yeah. That was just, it was like right there on the menu in the middle in like big letters. And I said, I would like the King's Hawaiian chicken sandwich. And the woman behind the cash register just could not comprehend what I was saying at all. The manager was called out. Really? We're all standing there staring at this menu. Alex missed this. She was in the bathroom. I was very tired that day. (laughs) And uh, yeah, finally I got my sandwich. And I'm happy to report it was delicious. Oh. Shout out to Arby's. Yeah. I I fucks with Arby's. My skirt fell off in Japan on stage. Really? Yeah, that's right. I think that constitutes as kind of embarrassing. And you you were in Japan? You went on the Japan? He wasn't there. Oh. So so you didn't see his embarrassing moment with the chicken sandwich. He didn't see your embarrassing Uh, moment with the dress falling off. Yeah. You're both spared of that. That's why you can still look each other in the eye. (laughs) While eating those sandwiches. (laughs) Lions. Also, there was this guy in the Uber... You remember the Uber driver oh, in God, Portland? Oh, God, awful. Who was like, at first he, because we had, you know, some gear, and it's like, you guys are musicians? Yeah. Oh, cool. And then, like, it slowly started to get to this place where he's like, you want to do karaoke? And we were like, haha, yeah, whatever. And he, <laughs> like, it's, it began to dawn, us, dawn on us that he was serious, and he pulled this microphone uh-huh. out of his glove box. It was like a Bluetooth microphone. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, karaoke, sing, and we were like, okay, like, whatever. And then, but then it got like even more complicated because you have to download this app yeah. and, and you have to pay for it. And we were like, what, what makes you think that we're going to do are you any of this? And he almost killed us several And he times. almost, yeah. So we, we just, yeah. Oh, well, that sounds, that sounds terrible. <laughs> I, terrible. Now I'm, I, I have to say, I'm curious. So how do you, how do you uh, recover from your your dress falling off on stage how does that even happen i i was a it was a scarf i left my shorts at the hotel room so i bought like a cheap tibetan you know like one of those like well it's not the, i'm not knocking tibetans it's yeah. one of those scarves that you'd wear like at a festival yeah like, like with the little tassels and so you just wrap that around i you. wrapped that around i and i double knot i thought i double knotted it and uh and now i just kind of went ta-da or something just kind of mm-hmm. pretended like that was part of the the show and then just sort of put it on. The, the the key to not being embarrassed is pretending like you're not embarrassed. Right, yeah. No, that's uh, that's my <laughs> that's my favorite line from the movie The Contender. Did you ever see that with oh. Joan Allen? And where she's she's uh, maybe going to be oh, the I new vice Allen. president and Jeff Bridges plays oh. the president. And she's gonna she's being outed as having had an abortion or something by an evil Gary Oldman playing a Republican senator. Oh. And she's about to go out and testify. And she says... I can, he's like, can you? Jeff Bridges is like, can you, you feel up to this? And he's like, yeah, but it's just so embarrassing. He's like, you know, the secret to not being embarrassed, don't be embarrassed. Yeah. <laughs> don't get embarrassed. Yeah. So, what do you remember? What was the song that was playing? What song were you doing? Oh, no, no. It was actually before I started playing. Oh, you just walked out and your pants fell down and, yeah. and you put them back on and you're, all, yeah. and you're good. Yeah. The Japanese audience loved it. They're like, this they part of the it. show. Yeah. It's crazy American artist. Supportive. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> More supportive than my skirt. Right. Good. Well, I'm glad that I'm glad it all worked out. Yeah. Came back from you didn't get. It just sounds like something that's embarrassing. Yeah. I didn't really care. It was. 
on a scale of Trump dramatic events, you would put that above Vikram's chicken sandwich thing that you missed and below. You weren't there, okay? You don't know what it was like. <laughs> I'm just saying, for her, it was less traumatizing for her than your situation, but may, or more traumatizing than your situation, but less than the Portland uh, Uber ride who wanted to make you sing karaoke. That was the most traumatic of the three things we've discussed. For both of you, I take it. Different flavors of trauma. Yeah. Yeah, I think... I mean, it sounds like a harrowing tour all around, from the chicken sandwich to the dress falling off to the Uber ride. I don't know how you survived. Yeah, in the other two cases, there was never a moment when our our safety was imperiled. With the Uber driver, it it could have gone that way. Yeah, I feel like this this Uber Lyft thing is going downhill. It's getting worse. It's getting worse and worse. Like the... I don't know. I've I've had my originally I thought it was pretty cool, but I mean, me driving drunk is honestly better than ninety percent of Uber drivers driving sober. <laughs> okay, I'm going down on it's. it's <laughs> don't cut that out. <laughs> no. You know what they should do is they should take the lights out of the Uber cars and put them in drunk drivers' cars as a little beacon that like, <laughs> hey everybody, I'm drunk. I'm drunk right now. Yeah, give me a wide way. Yeah, yeah. That would, uh, I, sure. That's a free idea. Yeah. To, whoever's in charge of these things. You're just knocking these things out. This is great. This is great. <laughs> well, why don't we get into the musical divination? I, okay. uh, I like this little, this little glimpse into your tour lives. I should say, I did kind of, I didn't, I actually didn't know that I was going to be in New York when you were playing. It just worked out that way. I didn't oh. go to New, uh, New York just to stalk you as a musician. Mm. And I or Seattle, it just you know it just worked out that way. But I I love that I got to see the tour so much, and yeah. uh, and I'm super excited about the Burden of Bee thing. So and uh, now I got a little glimpse into how it all works when you're not just sitting on the porch playing acoustic versions of your songs. Yeah. So what is your question for the Pop Oracle? So my question. Um, <laughs> so there have been reports or there there was an article that came out in the Atlantic uh, a few months ago that um, younger generations are having less sex than our previous hornier generations. Mm-hmm. And um, I just want to ask the pop oracle, are we going to continue down this anti-sex, anti-romantic path? Or do you think there'll be some kind of sexual revolution that will take place? soon great great question let me just see if i so are we so if are we going to what was how did you start the question sorry i well i cited um a article in the atlantic yeah yeah but the, the going oh, to the oh. specific question so so people gen, the, the the generation now i suppose like 15 to 25 or something are having way less sex than so older the, generations and then the question is are, are we going to continue? Are we going to continue doing this, this anti-sex? Kind is this of pattern going to continue, or is there going to be a pretty revolution. soon a twist? Cool. Yeah. Okay. Well, we have exhausted the wheel of eight. We have used up the radio eight cards. We are now down to the binary oracular divinatory tool, or as you know it, the coin. And we have two songs left on the board. They are song number three. You've had it easy, and song number seven, battle of attrition. Both could be sound like they could be good answers to this question. So now to engage the pop oracle, you get to flip. Oh yeah? Do I just put it on the ground? Let it it drop? Yeah, if it lands on heads, it's gonna be song number three. You've had it easy, and if it lands on tails, it's gonna be song number seven. 
the Battle of Attrition. And now you get to flip. What's heads and what? Oh, that's heads and that's tails. Okay. The Radio 8 coin. <gasps> heads. heads. You've had it easy. It's <laughs> good. When your eyes are searching for the sun in the dead of the night When your hopes and dreams have come undone And you can't make it right When the blues have got you on the run Will you stand up and fight? You've had it easy You've had it easy You've had it easy But a hard time's gonna come Like a feather dancing in the air With the breeze on your face You've been gliding by without a care Through a wide open space When you learn that life just isn't fair Will you keep up the pace? You've had it easy You've had it easy You've had it easy But a hard time's gonna come When they saw you in half With a smile and a laugh Don't forget that a life of regret is the only life worth living. And 
that was You've Had It Easy from Vikram Devastani and Ross Guerin, and that was the answer to Alex Lilly's question, are we going to continue down this road of sex negativity, uh, or is there going to be some sexual revolution to come? So, Vikram, and maybe Ross, uh, do you have anything you want to tell us a little about the background of that song? Yeah, Ross, do you have anything you want to say about how that song came to be? Oh, man, that's going back long enough that I would probably be making things up if I told you how this song came to be. <laughs> well, uh, since he's being shy about it, Ross mocked up a piano part and sent it to me. There was no like form to the song or anything. It was just like, here's this idea. And um, we worked from there. I think it was, like, in the can for a long time, actually. Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember in much more detail how the production came to be. Mm. And I remembered... Ah, I don't exactly know. I always really liked... This is a rare recording of Vikram playing trombone on his own music. <laughs> mm-hmm. Maybe the only one we've done so far. Uh not sure about that, but that seems about right. I'm so intrigued by that. That is so odd to me. Just that you would, that you have this skill and talent that is so valuable to other people, and yet you deny it to yourself. Do you hate trombone? <laughs> I don't deny it to myself. <laughs> um, yeah, I... Uh... I think that when I started playing trombone, um, it was more a matter of being in band because my sister, who's seven years older than me, was in band. She was a flute player. She was a great flute player. Went through all the ranks, was the drum major and everything. And so when it came time for me to go to middle school, there was no question that I was going to join band. I mean, that was just how it was. And... My sister told me. Facts of life. Yeah. <laughs> I, I always do what my sister says. And, and she told me uh, that, you know, it would be easier to make my mark on trombone. And knowing me, even then, that I was a, a, a deeply lazy person. Um, as I was gratified to discover many creative people are when I when I moved to Los Angeles, I, I always I always had this vision of people just like on fire about their work, not so much just like lounging in coffee shops, just you know soaking it all in. But um, yeah, because my sister, like I said, she played flute, and the thing about flute is that even at a high school level, it's extremely competitive. There are like all these people who can really really play, and so even though she was never interested in being a musician. She practiced a lot. I think she recognized that I probably was not going to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I I enjoyed it a lot, but I also didn't quite choose it for myself in that way. People always ask, like, how do you choose? How did you choose the trombone? And I just said, oh, you know, that's just what I played at that time. It wasn't a thing. Whereas singing and writing, that's something that I really did just decide one day, like, yeah, I want to do that. Um, and so the two worlds don't necessarily have a lot of overlap in my mind. Also, just practically speaking, when I write things, I'm usually thinking about 
how I could perform them. And especially when I was getting started, like just the getting up and singing part was so daunting that I was like, there's no way I'm going to be up there singing and playing trombone. It's just not going to happen. Um, which is maybe why there's trombone on this song, because I never thought I'd be performing this song live. It was just a song that was designed to be like put on a record and then just like, you know, cast out into the waters. Um, so here I am singing it. So yeah. I suppose at some point I could get comfortable enough being on stage and singing uh, that the trombone might sneak in. I think this might be might have been one of the first songs that I like. I I remember I definitely remember hearing this song on the Spotify on your Spotify playlist. You need to cough? You can go ahead. No, I don't. Uh-huh. Um, so, uh, but yeah, just gorgeous, gorgeous. I love that melody so much. It's so tasty. Very, uh, almost, almost yacht rocky a little bit. Like just sort of. <laughs> That's music to our ears. <laughs> sophisticated and also super catchy. Uh, you know. You, you, you probably don't know this, Andres, but uh, our man John here is in what I think is the best yacht rock band in the world. Preeminent, preeminent. Uh, called called Harbor Party. <laughs> this is a real band, and I know people think I'm joking, but you will know that nobody, it's not a joke. You're joking, I don't. Right? I be, I believe you. I'm you, laughing because I, I know it's real. Uh, it's <laughs> so, so <happy>. real. <laughs> so this is where I really wish John had a microphone. Maybe I think it's John. For the best that I don't. <laughs> so maybe lean over here because I I'm I'm kind of curious because there is a huge so. We are here at Starburns Industries, mm-hmm. which is the home of the Beyond Yacht Rock podcast. We are going to get oh, to this we... question, so I don't believe it. I, I'm not. I'm not yeah. trying to get away from it, but this is something that I'm very, very interested in. So there, and I actually last night I attended a yacht rock party, and I had sent them their oh, Spotify nice. playlist, and yeah. they did not use it, and they were oh. playing stuff that was not. It was. was it was yacht rock. It was yacht. Yeah, rock. it was yacht rock. So, <laughs> yeah. so have the guys. First of all, have the guys from Beyond Yacht Rock. Senior Scene yeah, Harbor Party and we, the given it their approval. They're... Yes, uh, they they've they've referred us for a couple gigs and we've done a couple shows with them. And uh, the guy who um, I kind of run the band with, um, the bass player Jack, and he's good friends with a couple of those guys. Um, so we we're we're we take it very seriously. <laughs> good, you have to. Uh, we only we we do play some stuff which is which is not on. The uh, yacht list. It's not scored above 50 on the yacht ski scale. Uh, I love that you know all this stuff. We're, I do. Yeah. We're geeking uh, out together. Yeah. So I gave you a mic. Uh, but uh, so we uh, we play the the deep can the deep can deep Kenny law deep Kenny law law. You you guys know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Uh, we play that stuff, and uh, it's a fun band. It's very it's very goofy. It's very goofy. So, what are the song? What are the outliers? The yacht, the the yachtskis? We play Footloose, and uh, <laughs> what else do we play? Uh, we play some. Uh, we play. We've been known to play Hotel California. I'm not proud of it, but yeah, that but, should that yeah. should be done. That's I. I They're I, a country I, rock I, band. That's I, yeah. That's that's what that band is. But uh, we so we play some of that stuff, um, but. Uh, not too much, not too much, which is off the boat. Good. <laughs> Most of it's on the boat. I love it. I love it. I yeah. love that you have the lingo down. I love that you got the you got the approval of these because otherwise, I would have to. Like, I, I get in a lot 
Yeah. I get in or, more fights about Yacht Rock than I than I probably should. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> it's unfortunate. I used to work I used to work in this bar in Olympia as a bartender and there was this and I'm going to call him call him out because he's he's a big jerk. This guy Brad, <laughs> this bar bartender Brad, he was just like this big loud guy and he would put on the Pandora Yacht Rock station. Oh, yeah. Uh-uh. Yeah, and it's like the it's like a cheeseburger in paradise and yeah. the pina colada song and it's stuff like that. Not, it's not. It's not. And but because <laughs> you ever like you know like these guys who are like these you're just you're you're big and loud enough that it doesn't matter if what you're saying is ludicrous and you have no authority whatsoever in that field, but because of your size and volume, right. you can just sort of bully people into being like, okay, what, whatever. Yeah. I guess That's I, not the yacht rock. No, it's it not ain't. the Yacht Rock way. It's, it's not the It's yacht a very rock smooth way. way of life. It is. Thank you. Thank you. Well, this... <laughs> yeah. We do need to get back to the question because it yeah. was... <laughs> but it, it, uh, there, I, I, there is a connection here because we're talking... You know, so we're talking about how there's this... Uh, we're going through a period where, peop- where the younger generation are having less sex than we did in our time. <laughs> mm-hmm. and that, And the question is, are we... Is that the way it's going to be, or is there some sort of sexual revolution coming? And when we're talking about Yacht Rock, we know that the golden era of Yacht Rock is 1977 to 82, right. right. Which are, it's like right, it's pretty much... Those are the horniest times. Yeah, right before AIDS, before we started to hear about AIDS, it was like the end of of all the, you know, free love... What? I just I just wanted to put some some, some <laughs> yacht rock some, some yacht rock underscore. That's on nice. But so that era, the yacht rock era, is sort of the last gasp of that sort of free love thing that was predates probably all of us. I mean, all of us in terms of our um, sexual age of sexual maturity or even close for, for probably most of you. So there's that touchstone of that time that existed. And there was also a lot of negative stuff, obviously, that was associated with that. And so, um, so now bringing it back to your question, what did you think about this as the answer to your question about? Um, can I can I, I ask a quick question? Sure. On the study we we're citing, mm-hmm. were there things that they pointed out as reasons or? Mm-hmm. Okay. There were there were there were seven. Do you remember any oh. any of them that could be helpful? Yeah. It. Um, one was people are masturbating more because mm. of porn. Huge problem. Uh, another might be that people are just saying no to sex that they don't want to have. So it could have a little bit to do with being more. Mm. It, there could be some positive reasons. I mean, mm-hmm. not masturbating. Masturbating. I can't say mm. it. I'm so just <laughs> fluttered, <laughs> flustered by this question. Um, yeah, there could be some less negative reasons. But the the negative reasons I see are that people are just becoming awkward and, and yeah. so attuned to their phone and, and getting so much comfort and pleasure from other maybe less, I don't know, gratifying yeah. sources. And they just don't – they're not seeking it out the way they used to or maybe becoming numb to the chase mm-hmm. because it's just being made so easy. By those sluts. No. Just by <laughs> just the fact that sex is becoming so cheap and easy and readily available, almost like a product. You mean as far as it, in terms just, of pornography or in terms of like even Tinder people, and yeah, all that stuff? Real, and, yeah, real sex. Is, right. Yeah. So what did you think about this? 
I know it's we we got in we went down a little yacht rabbit hole there. And we, fine. But the the song. What There's do you think? ever a reason to do it. It's for yacht rock. Yeah. Um, I heard a clue in one of the lyrics in particular that I think will help us find a connection, and that is the lyric about um, a life without regret isn't worth living. I think something yeah. like that. Don't forget that a life of regret is the only life worth living. Yes, that's great. And I think that that very much pertains to uh, a life of taking chances. I think people are becoming more scared. I think these these generation is more helicopter helicopter parented, mm-hmm. and I think um, taking chances is maybe not something that kids think about doing as much as they used to. Mm-hmm. I think there's a little bit of a, a, a some fear maybe going on. Just just talking to parents I know with kids that are like. 12, 13, 14. I'm like, why aren't they going off and why don't they want to go outside by themselves and run around? They're like, no, no, no. We drive them everywhere. They don't want to be alone. Like, and um, I just wonder if that has something to do with it. That rebellion, that that rebellious nature that, that kind of reminded me of. It seems like you're beckoning, perhaps perhaps uh, inviting inviting those children to start having sex. <laughs> <laughs> He's the Pied Piper. He's the Pied Piper. (laughs) He's the horny Pied Piper of children. (laughs) Well, I was thinking about this. Something I actually thought about is because before you you want to hear, sorry, before the election of Donald Trump and the emergence of the Me Too movement, I was very, very vocal. I knew a lot of people as part of a different scenes of people who were very vocal about being about sex positivity about. Uh, just getting away from sort of the shame-based thinking and saying yes to your, you know, to your own body and your own desires. And part of that even goes to what we were talking about earlier about com- having better boundary conversations and being clearer in our communication about this stuff. And as I've watched the Me Too movement happen, there's a part of me that has been sort of, it's sort of been like, it's a two steps forward, one step back kind of thing. Like it's, totally necessary and I celebrate it and I support it. And at the same time, I also feel that exact same feeling. Like I felt like we were getting closer as a culture to being more welcoming to that part of our beings as a, mm-hmm. as individuals, as a society. And for reasons that are very clear with all these stories that are coming out that, that hadn't come out before, there's a lot of reasons why, we, why there needs to be a correction, but it definitely also feels like we that co- the sex positivity conversation has had to take a back seat, and I think that part of the I in part of it for me is just thinking oh well a lot of people are pretty on of both sexes or of all to say all genders are sort of in a state of shell shock of like how do I relate in this new situation like do does anyone want to even be involved in a conversation about sex does it you know uh like what is over the line what is like well your song pornographic mind is such a perfect example of the dynamic of what's the first like uh i thought what's the first line that in, in maybe i'm naive ma- but i always but I, yes I yeah maybe like, yeah <laughs> maybe i'm naive but i always assume, assume that we're just two adults working in the same room right exactly and that there's this sort of like this this sense of like okay 
but where do, where is the line? And the line is what we're finding out is the line is very different for every individual person. And so there's a whole new level of conver- of communication that has to happen, and we aren't we're not there yet. And there was a line in the song right before the line you noticed, which was when they saw you in half with a smile and a laugh, and the the world is unforgiving. And I feel like that, like, I feel like that when we lose our, our connection to our sexuality, it is like cutting ourselves in half. And it, we go back to like, oh, it's just sex is something that's either dirty and scary or it's something that's a joke that we make jokes about. But even then, you might, the joke you might make to one person that they laugh at is unforgivable to someone else and out of context, even more so. And that, and people are looking for, predators looking for danger mm-hmm. again reasonably so but it it definitely is a buzzkill as far as people just freely saying hey i think you're cool let's mm-hmm. hook up or whatever whatever you however people navigate that so i thought all of that was there and there was also something about i, I can't there's something about not playing on your own stuff playing your trombone we were joking earlier about how Bone and butt are both in the name, which is kind of funny, and it's sec- but there's an idea again. You you were joking about that. <laughs> just, I just want to be clear about that. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> Did I overstep the line? No. Do, do you feel? Do you, I feel fine. Do we need to have a conversation? We're having a conversation. I mean, do we need to have a boundary He's conversation? A He's gonna release a tweet right after. No, no, this is great. <laughs> so. I'm just there. There's something again about cut, cutting yourself in half. About the, about you say you're not denying yourself your music, but your your trombone playing on your own music. But there is still this something something about self censorship or compartmentalizing that kind of speaks to this. And I and I don't know if I'm my hopeful thing. I don't know if it's there in the song, but is that we are that we will get to that other conversation. But we have had to table it because there's, as we got with uh, when Alexis asked her question, there are some other things that need to be worked out culturally. And I guess I'm just it's weird to say that I'm glad that I grew up in the age of the the sex positive age of AIDS as opposed to the sex positive age of Me Too. But uh, I am. I, I, I guess I am. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, I'm open to the possibility that. What did she call it? The sex recession, I think she called it. Oh, in the Atlantic. Is that what it? I I didn't. Yeah. I'm open to the possibility that that is a a, can be a good thing, Mm -hmm. in the sense that I think that there there was a philosophy embedded in the sexual revolution of the '60s that went unspoken, but which a lot of people accepted as gospel, which is that a massive increase in promiscuity would be good for society. And there are ways in which that has proven to be true, but we can all think of ways in which it hasn't been. And I don't think as humans that we sit around in a room and we draft a plan and we're like, this is the course we're going to take now, right? What we do is we go too far in one direction, in the case perhaps of some 18 to 25-year-olds maybe having less, less sex than they should. Mm-hmm. Um, you should be having sex, kids. And then <laughs> and then you kind of live in that for a while and you're like, okay, this doesn't work. And then you start moving in the opposite direction. Um, so 
I, I don't know if that's just wishful thinking, if that's just me wanting something positive to come out of something that seems kind of scary and negative. Uh, but I hope that it's more than wishful thinking. I hope that it's a, a sign of a, a more reflective society that thinks a little bit more deeply about how sex is involved in our lives without shaming people who are more interested in it than others um, or less interested than others. It's funny. The title, I just really, you've had it easy. Is perfect. Is like, is we have had, like, without, in a way, by not having had the conversation, we have had it easy on some levels. And as you say, there are, there have been ramifications for that. I am curious about how this maybe connects with Alexis's question. As I've been thinking about it, it's like, what it feels like the shift, where that shift comes around is when, if the Me Too movement works, Women are not as are more are more supported when they feel when they are targeted or feel like the the culturally we have navigated this space, and then I really feel like when women are the initiators or the age the uh, are determining what goes and what doesn't go, that's where that revolution that sexual yeah. revolution happens when it's like. In that old school idea, the men were the initiated content. Who's sort of in con controlling what we see? Not even just what we see, but like how controlling the con like again. If like if the if the cultural thing is like if you want to go out with someone, women don't ask guys out. Guys ask women out, but then if you're then you have to be a guy, look basically targeting and hoping that someone will say yes. And because of we know these the, these unfair power dynamics, that just doesn't work anymore. And it's not it's not. A, it's not a it's not an attractive quality in a man to to see that. So to have that switch, and it, I don't know how long it's going to take, to the point where it's more that culturally we accept that women are the ones who dictate the terms upon which this interaction is going to happen. Like how again, and it sort of goes to to Alexis's question: What is women's beauty when detangled from the male gaze like so if the, there are these women who are embodying their idea of beauty out in the world and saying this is how i want you to relate to me you i'm interested in you i'm not accept that and we can have a conversation this person who you're interested in might say well not so much but huh. then you're but i feel like that's where the that's where the shift has to happen i think but, it's shifting away from what's the default because you could still live in a. You could still have a situation where a man is more. There's something that makes something sexy is that imbalance of power, whether it's coming from a woman or coming from a man. Mm -hmm. But I think that it's about things not being default, automatic, automated. So, right. That's what I hope for. That creates more neutrality. And it, I mean, it's like sex is never going to be something that we can work back. We can analyze and come up with a like politically correct formula and then decide like, well, I guess we better have sex like this now. Right. That's never going to happen. Right. And so, and in fact, oftentimes the most, you know, hardcore CEO woman is the one that's, you know, there's that joke of like, she's the one that wants her hair pulled in bed, you know, so CEO, that's CEO. Oh, CEO. sorry. Speak or or a CEO if you're excited. talking about military. Christian like, Orthodox. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you know, there's a lot of different paths we could go down, but I would say yeah. just not living in any kind of, you know, it's the same if you know, you're a person of color, if you're gay, just not feeling like the default is a certain way and that anything, mm -hmm. it was so refreshing to watch like, um, 
Russian doll. It's all written by women. I was thinking about that exact same thing. And it's just normal. It's not a show about being a woman or like feminism. It's just like you just get to hear really funny people doing stuff that, yeah, of course it's filtered through a woman's perspective, but that's sort of secondary. Did you think it was interesting in that show? Because I've heard people talking a lot about that show, Mm -hmm. about how that all of the traditional male characters I didn't realize it until I read that article because it just looked like my life. Right. Exactly. It (laughs) It just looked like normal reality Exactly. It looked more like what (laughs) I actually see among the the people I know. All right. Well, I just – I live in Olympia. I I hang out with a lot of powerful women who are, you know, artists and, you know, they're not – you know, conservative people. So, and that's real revolution is when things just look normal. Yeah, and I think that that also pertains to Lexus's question, where it's not patronizing. It goes from, and I, I agree with her, and I feel the same way. But I feel like you, the pendulum has to swing until it can hopefully find a good resting swing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. Very cool. Well. Thanks, Vikram. For yeah, Vikram, your friends. Thank you. That's great questions. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, well, Alex, Lily, you are fantastic. Is it time for me to leave? Uh, yeah, I mean, you could, you could, it, I'm gonna hang out. You could stick around. We, the next thing is gonna be Vikram's question. You want to stick around for yeah. Vikram, Vikram's question? Do we yes. determine if that song answered whether once oh, the yeah. balance between sexes is evened out in the way everybody hopes, if people will stop jacking off to porn? In a way that will <laughs> allow them. To that was not the question. Okay, because <laughs> I feel like that was also a part of that whole thing is that they were on their phones. Uh huh. You can, you know, you can pry my I'm gonna say porn from my yes. cold dead hands. Cold dead hands. Yeah. My, my hot warm, sweaty hands. My hot sweaty hands. <laughs> yeah, I think it does. Yeah, I think the song says it will happen. Thank you. <laughs> Okay. Agreed. Uh, yeah, yeah. Ross finally. This is where this is where Ross decided to jump in. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, we know where we know where what issues are important to you. <laughs> and me, I, all of us. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna throw you under the masturbation bus. Yeah. I, I'm unless like, unless I'm I can like, join you there. Yeah. <laughs> Unlike me, Ross likes playing on his own tracks. Yeah. You know what that oh! means. Whoa! <laughs> Thanks for listening to Radio 8 Ball. We hope today's musical divination brings and brought the sync to you wherever you are. For more info about our show, visit Radio8Ball.com, where you'll find the Radio 8 blog, our Patreon campaign, and where you can download our Radio 8 Ball app that allows you to engage the pop oracle directly in the form of every song ever performed in the history of Radio 8 Ball. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. And if you give us good reviews and ratings, that really helps get the word out. Until next time, I'm your host, Andras Jones, wishing you lots of spine-tingling synchronicities, connections with the natural world, and all the inspiration you can handle. It's the Radio Wave Ball Show.